Yeah, yeah, I got that. I got that. I absolutely got that, Peter. <laughs> Peter at the moment is flashing three on his fingers twice to remind me that it's episode thirty-three. Yes, I realize that because last time I forgot it was episode thirty-two, <laughs> and you rubbed it in my face, and now it is episode thirty-three, and I love alliteration. So yes, thirty-three. This is the thirty-third episode of Haunts Up. We get it. What's up, man? All good, yo. <laughs> okay. Um, well, tonight, or rather on this episode, um, this episode wouldn't have happened if Haunts Up wouldn't have started whenever we started it, which was like around almost a year back. Yeah, but right? yeah. yeah? And I'll tell you why. This is because um, Peter is a huge fan of this one band or... I don't know if it's of the band really, but of this one dude. True. And this is the dude who we have on the show today. He's such a fan that he's managed to turn me into a fan. But here's the thing. The music is actually really, really, really good. And it was on my radar, but I wasn't the fanboy that I would, that I am now. And it's all thanks to you, Peter. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> But which band are we talking about? We're talking about Haunt and Beastmaker. And which dude are we talking about? Well, of course, if you know those two bands, you would know that we're talking about Trevor William Church. Yeah, man. And, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because this album or the album that they just released, uh, If Icarus Could Fly, was actually one album that we both listed uh, earlier yes. on in this year as we're looking forward to. Yeah, and it really boggled our mind. And it boggled my mind, especially... Um, of how prolific Haunt is with their releases and that when when you actually dive into the history of Trevor William Church you understand it's because he is that much of a mechanic yeah and I mean I don't want to give too much away he kind of explains uh, his whole approach to it which is so different from current contemporary artists right anyone um, okay I wouldn't say contemporary artists because you see a lot of uh, pop stars and rappers and R&B artists kind of doing the same vibe. Yeah. But it's definitely against what's seen in uh, rock and metal, which is True. an album-based approach. Yeah, but of course, uh, I agree. And, you know, it's also cool that, uh, I must add this, is we initially tried to interview uh, Trevor a couple of months ago and yeah, it didn't kind of work out. More in line with the album yeah. uh, release. But at that time, we it didn't work out completely because... He just yeah. became a father. Yeah, he had just like we literally contacted him. I think the second day or the third day after yeah, him we were becoming a dad. And of course, uh, you would know this. I don't at the moment, but I've only heard stories. How the fuck can you do a podcast <laughs> the second day of being yeah, a father? I mean, of course, pri priorities <laughs> took place. But the reason I bring that up is since then, uh, in, in in the span of when we contacted him initially yeah, to do the interview, and now he already has put out two splits since then so yeah hopefully by the time we release this episode he's not announced something else i mean he alludes to a new project uh on the interview but yeah that's how prolific the guy is i know man and like full power to him for what he's doing it's uh literally forcing people to relook the way music should be released in this genre and that's only a good thing that's only another uh different model and we could all use more alternatives just for good quality music. Yeah, and he's been one of those people who've really, you know, uh, traditionally most rock and metal artists have been 
anti streaming and stuff like that this guy is taking it to a complete next level i mean just look at his bandcamp page for christ's sake the number of releases he has out last year alone he put 10 albums out of uh, B- 10 eps out of uh, beast maker mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. just tells you like what kind of potential this guy is i'm really curious to know what he's going to do before the end of the year let alone next year yeah man completely uh well we do get some insights on what the process is like and oh, what his inspiration is etc etc so let's just stop yammering at this point and head on down and listen to this mind you it does get a uh, very noisy because of things happening at his end and more so a lot of things happening at our end it wasn't the quietest of recording environments that night at starbucks I really think we should we should like tell Starbucks that oh my god look at the amount of free publicity <laughs> you're getting on this podcast which nobody listens to um so without further ado here is Trevor William Church Yeah we've got uh, Trevor William Church straight on horns up welcome to the show man Thank you for having me Yeah uh you know it's a a few weeks later a month later i guess but congratulations on the baby and thanks for finding some time amidst all of this uh to do this interview with us absolutely man anything anything for music man i'll find the time <laughs> how's life been now how's the change oh my god it's it's lovely i didn't i didn't know that the, i wanted to be a dad so much until he came into this world and then and now now I see that the the picture is much brighter and the house is just filled with so much more life and it's just made me want to work harder and do bigger and better things so he could have so he could have a really fun unique life I guess you know I it's you know he has a dad that I'm just so invested in music that like it's like it's going to be it's going to be fun for him, you know? It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I got a lot of toys here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to intrude, but what's his name? His name's Rex William Church. Wow. Oh, that's Yeah. So 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 I was, was saw my wife though. She's she didn't like I want I was like I wanted to name him Sterling. and she wasn't having it she said that was a dead dog's name so <laughs> i don't know what that really means but so you know what they say uh, happy wife happy life so exactly. yeah. i i hate i hate to use that weird saying but i just didn't really want to sit there and like debate about it and i was like rex is fine i'll i'll go with that yeah so i i have a two and a half year old so i know exactly what you're talking about Yeah. I mean, most people do. I mean, most people have kids, no. It's a it's a journey, but it's a good. I mean, he's he's almost 3 months now and I it's just weird. I'm like I was like, "Man, we were so lazy before he got here." <laughs> you know? Oh, I didn't know how lazy we actually were until like you got to constantly do dishes. You always have like you got somebody you got to take care of like all the time you got to you know it's 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 a different <laughs> yeah and this is a really bad segue but the words lazy and you really don't go together i mean uh if you look at it from the music point of view yeah. you definitely aren't a lazy person 
No, I mean, that's not... But the thing is, I think a lot more people and bands would do what I do, how they, you know, they have the stuff that they need. I'm starting to just acquire all the tools for the job, and it's been, you know, a, an accumulation over the last five years that has led me to be able to do anything like this. And, and I feel like... Um, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like somebody has to be the one to pull the trigger to make all that happen. And I was just really wanting to kind of just do my own thing and do DIY thing and try to make it work. And luckily for me, for me, it's been, it seems to be working. I don't, I, I wouldn't, I would, I don't know yet. It's still very early on and haunt success is still kind of like a, it's still a seedling, but I get to do what, what I want, and that's music. So that's the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much to talk uh, with you about music. But if we could just uh, hold on to that thought for a few minutes. Uh, sure. Let's just go back to, like, you know, from where you started. I mean, I know you come from a musical family. Uh, your father built church. He performed with Montrose and also Van Morrison. But yeah. tell me, what was your earliest musical memory? Well, I mean, so the first thing that I remember is like, <laughs> um, is getting my first drum set, actually, because I was frightened because they're like, you're going to go take lessons. And for some reason in my brain, I thought I was going to you know, because like up until that point, I was used to going to my dad's shows and all these people were watching. I didn't quite understand that. Like, I thought I was going to like, I had to perform in front of all these people and I didn't know what I was doing. So I felt like I didn't want to play drums. So the drums got pushed aside. And then I think for my birthday that year, I got my first guitar and, you know, I just kind of fiddle with it. I was much more into skateboarding. Skateboarding was my like real passion early on in my life. And um, that was my first, like, that was my introduction to music. I was scared shitless, truly. I was like, man, I don't want to play drums in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that, that, that obviously that wasn't even the course of action that I took. And I didn't really get into guitar playing until I was about 10 years old anyway. So it came a little bit later. It was not, like, in the forefront of anything at that time. Was music always a constant at home? And what did I you mean, end up listening to? I mean, if you were into skateboarding, can I associate you listening to punk? Oh, yeah. Punk and metal were, like, the go-to stuff. And then some rap music early on, too. Um, those, there was always... I was, I was always really eclectic musically. I was kind of listening to whatever was on the skate videos. And then my older cousin, Michael, who, like, really actually got me into playing guitar because he had a band. He was five years older than me, and he was, like, in high school. And he had, like, you know, Judas Priest posters, Motley Crue, Iron Maiden. He introduced me more to the, like, heavy metal stuff because, like, the punk stuff was more, like, Misfits, Exploited, DRI, and bands like that that I was listening to. Like, and I was really young. I was only six years old when I started like that, listening to that kind of stuff, which is kind of odd for some six-year-olds, I, I suppose. But it was mainly because I had like older cousins around. I wanted them to think I was cool. Um, 
they, I looked up to them like big time. So, you know, and then and then I had a, my uncle. He worked at um, uh, Wea Warner Brothers Electra and Atlantic. He worked Whoa. in a warehouse there, and I was able to get like like cassettes really cheap. So like he'd he'd send me these catalogs. And I would spend my allowance like buying tapes. And I remember getting like Metallica and all that stuff and Slayer. My dad also took me to the record store every week. So every week I got a new album. So I had a lot of I had a lot of cassettes growing up. I always did. I always had a lot of uh, music and stuff. And um, I didn't really get into like listening to my parents' records till later on because like up until when I was that little, I thought that the records are what, you know, the, the rap dudes, they scratched, you know, I was like, that's all they use it for. I didn't, you know, at the time I was like, so I was like scratching their records, trying to make rap music. Terrible, terribly done. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I was like, Oh, this is not sound good. (laughs) And so, so that was kind of one of those things where I, you know, I was just a kid. I didn't really understand. You know, I was like, I listen to cassettes because I have a Walkman. I have, that's what goes in the car, et cetera. So those are kind of like the, the I mean, in a, in a nutshell, that's kind of how it all began, I suppose. I guess your roots kind of, you know, they start somewhere and then, you know, you go off and you find yourself. So, yeah, um- now you're talking one. I'm pretty sure that uncle of yours was your favorite uncle. But uh, do, do you remember what was the first metal album you bought? Definitely. Definitely was Metallica, Ride the Lightning. I got, oh, yeah. I got like three Metallica tapes at once. I got um, Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning, and Master of Puppets all at the same time. And quick question. Wait, sorry. Have to have yeah. to ask this quick question. Which one's better, Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets? Oh. Just quick, quick answer. I think Ride the Lightning I like better. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. No, this is this is in context because one of our previous episodes, we do this format called Versus, in which we fit albums which are similar against one one another. And yeah. recently, we just did one on which we had uh, did a Ride the Lightning versus Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. And I chose Ride the Lightning, and Peter chose Master of Puppets. So yeah, there you go, Peter. <laughs> Trevor Williams. Yeah, I, I mean, it's mainly. It, I think it all comes down to is like when I was learning how to play guitar. Um, it was mainly Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning. Like Masters of Puppets, they started to get a little bit. It got a little bit more longer. The songs were getting longer, and I think it was out of like context for me for like a good year. Whereas, like, I learned how to play Ride the Lightning pretty quickly. And same with Kill Em All, which is, you know, they're they're doing a little bit more straightforward all the time. And, um, like, songs like Battery and stuff, I could not figure it out at the time. I was like, what is this rhythmic, you know what I mean? I was, like, trying to figure them out. I did eventually, but I... I mean, I don't know. It's hard. It's that's a tough one because they were they're one of those bands. They're a California band. I'm born and raised in California. The Metallica pride is heavy over most of, most of the guys in my band. We are huge Metallica fans. Huge. I'm 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 not surprised at all. I mean, like growing up here in India, Metallica we practically worship. Yeah, them, man. Right? They they define. They're one of the defining metal bands for a reason. 
absolutely they are and i mean they're it's uh it's amazing how you know they're they're like one of the biggest bands of the world and you know the starting outs were just like i love how they started they started in la it was too pretentious they moved to the bay area and then they became legendary that's so rad <laughs> you know that's that's a great thing but in the midst of all of this you're telling us at what age did uh, did you start your first band? Um, so I started my first band in high school. I had a punk band called, we were called Lot Six. Don't ask me why. My my friend Luke Branch came up with the name. There, there was something behind it. I can't quite recall. But we just did like covers of punk songs. So we did a lot of Misfits. We did like some Operation Ivy. Uh, we did Minor Threat. Um, kind of stuff like that. Like, that was kind of my introduction. Like, when we first started, we did Metallica, but we couldn't find a drummer that could do any of that stuff. So we had to, we had to dumb it down, and, like, punk was, like, the dumb version of metal. And also... <laughs> and also, yeah. it just seemed... It just seemed... I was so into the Misfits. Like, that's, like, Danzig in general. <clears throat> I have three Danzig tattoos. That guy's, like, one of my idols. So I just really was trying to like, you know, learn that, learn that style and was really, really into that. So it made more sense at the time. I really didn't start getting into like, be like heavy metal as a band, um, like being in a band that plays metal. It came years later because for a long time it was punk. So my next band after that, so after high school, um, I started like my first real band. We were called Scattered Fall and we played punk and I did that for like three years and it wasn't until I like started, um, I think at the time music was really shifting. There wasn't a big demand of heavy metal at the time because this was like, this was like maybe early 2000s, uh, early wow. 2000. The time, the new metal. Was new metal was the rage. Yeah. New metal, like, at all. It was like the ruler, and in like the hot topic, metal was like really in. And I didn't really, I wasn't really associating with that very much. And then, you know, being where I grew up, there, I just wasn't really being exposed to as much metal. Um, I think the band that kind of got me away from punk for a little bit was at the drive-in. I kind of liked their their version of punk better. I still consider them a punk band. A lot of people consider them an emo band, but like, if you listen to where they started, it was definitely more punk and their attitude was punk. So I, I wanted to do something like that and I tried to find it and I never found it. I had multiple bands. I joined multiple bands. I had a band called, it was a punk band after Scattered Fall called The Wooden Horse where we, um, tried to do more of a um technical punk i guess you would call it um i was still really into like heavy metal but it was all just it was all the same metal bands that i had been listening to there was there was no new metal bands to really inspire me to be like well i want to play metal now um <laughs> it wasn't until um i joined a friend's band um and they played like really shitty indie rock music they needed a guitar player really badly. And, you know, sometimes you take a path 
where you go and play with your buddies. And it just so happened the bass player of this band, he's still one of my really good friends today, and we hang out all the time still. Every time I could, every time I'm in Sacramento, I, I go visit him and stay at his house with him and his wife. Lovely people. But he convinced me that I should go play with them. He's like, just come out. We're, they're signed. We tour, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. Nothing was really happening for me. I wanted, at that time in my life, I think Black Sabbath was like, and Ozzy was a huge thing for me. And I was really like seeking that. I was trying to meet people. And like, I felt like at the age I was at, because I was like in my early, early 20s, I kind of lost touch with like, you know, you didn't go to high school with people anymore. You're like, people are spreading out, going to college, doing their things. And <laughs> I didn't really know anybody. So I was trying to meet people in the music industry and music scene that wanted to do that. And it's really funny because one of the guys I was hanging out with, this guy, Josh Heinz, he ended up, we, we talked so much about, we're like, yeah, Black Sabbath, I love Black Sabbath. And I was like, we should do something. We both ended up doing something very similar in the end, yet we were hanging out at the time a lot. So it's really weird how it all came. But I didn't start my first metal band until Beast Maker. And the uh -huh. first, and the first uh, incarnation of Beast Maker was actually thrash metal. So cool. I was like, again, we were more into like the Metallica, Sepultura, Slayer, <laughs> Slayer realm. And... Um, People in Fresno weren't really digging it. I thought we were good. I liked what we were doing. Um, and then one day, you know, like, we just kind of stopped. And I was like, you know, I was like, you know what? Like, I really like how Oz sings. And I, and I had, like, practiced Danzig and Ozzy for so long to be, because those guys were, like, my, my idols as far as singing goes. They're the ones that kind of paved the way for that as well as the Beatles, too. The Beatles were a big influence on me singing. I didn't know I sang <clears throat> until I started doing a lot of Beatles stuff. Um, but, I mean, I, for a long time, I tried to join other people's bands. I, was, I didn't consider myself a leader. You know, I was like, this is a lot of work to be a leader of a band. You have to be like, you have to have a vision. You have to have a focus. And I had neither. You know, I was trying to find it. And then, you know, honestly... I finally got the chance to express myself when I got lucky enough. I met my wife. I mean, at the time she was my girlfriend, but like we got our first, like we rented our first house together and okay. I had a room. Finally, I could play drums in, I could like create. And that's how beast maker began is I finally was able to give it a proper uh, vision you know, like I had the time, I had the place. I didn't have to worry about neighbors being right next to me complaining. I felt comfortable because like I could sing and know that the walls aren't paper thin and people could hear me and I could develop, you know. And I think at this time I was like, God, I was already old, man. I was I think I was I think I was like 29, 30 years old at this point. So a lot of time had already passed. So. And the story is so long. I mean, you need to, you would need like four hours. You need a four hour podcast to, to really <laughs> catch up to really all the things that happen. I quit drinking. I don't party anymore. So that was a big part of the, like the vision and the leadership because up until that point, I was like, 
I couldn't run a band if I tried, you know, I was like, uh-huh. get punk and going out. And like, I thought that's what was rock and roll. But I started to see that, like, if I didn't take it seriously and really focus, my was going to fade. I was getting old, you know, I was like, man, I'm 30. What am I doing? You know, how do I get this to work out? And it didn't happen until I was like 35, you know, and Rise Above Records signed Beastmaker literally two weeks after we put out our first like demo as the Beastmaker that everybody knows. Nobody knows the thrash thrash metal version of Beastmaker because it was so short lived and we only played locally and we only did like (laughs) a few demos and they were shitty. So it wasn't anything that people heard. So that was like really my first bands, like as far as that after Beastmaker, obviously there's Haunt. So that literally brings us up to speed as, but as far as me as the songwriter and me as the like leader and me as like the guy behind the vision, it's really only been Beastmaker and Haunt. Before that, I was always a collaborative thing or I had, Uh or I had no, um, or I had nothing to do with the band. Okay. That was, that's the way it went for a while. All right. So, so th- th- this is weird. Like, um, you growing up in a way or whatever, like, h- however you describe this, that's one factor. Uh, besides all of that, was there any other inspiration behind Beastmaker? Like, was there a musical inspiration behind it? There was a movie inspiration behind it. Okay. <laughs> At the what time... At the time, I was, like, really, like, struggling. I think a lot of the years, the reason that I wasn't the leader is I struggled writing lyrics. I didn't know what to write lyrics about. Yeah. I was like, I, was like, I don't know how to write lyrics. Okay. And I had this fascination with Vincent Price and Tombs of the Blind Dead. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should try writing, like, songs about hor- these movies that I liked as like and paying homage to them because like some other bands had kind of been doing that like electric wizard and uncle acid and i was like it worked for them like let me see if i can do something similar in my own way and it just opened up like it opened up pandora's box because i just started writing and i just and you know eventually i started creating my own horror stories and from that I was like, I think I'm ready to start talking about the things that have happened in my life. And that became Haunt. And Haunt is all about things that I interpret, my reality, my life, things that have happened to me. Uh, more re- it's more real. You know, Beastmaker was a, you know, it was fiction. Haunt is nonfiction. So those movies opened up the lyrical part of me. So. That was like the biggest inspiration of Beastmaker at the time, more than more so than bands, because I was like, I really liked the poster art. I really liked the so I'd look at old movie posters for inspiration. And um, I found inspiration in that, which is the completely opposite of music. But obviously those roots of music were the inspiration. Black Sabbath, Ozzy. Uh, St. Vitus was a big one at the time. I really liked the simplicity of the band. They were doing, it was almost like a Nirvana thing where they were able to take three chords and make it like a rad song. I, I really, uh-huh. at that time, I was like, 
you know, coming from thrash, you know, doing thrash metal and trying to be all technical um, into going into playing three chords was kind of a um, a weird thing. We stripped it down hard. We were like, let's bonehead this shit. Like, just three chords. Like, let's make it really easy and really sensible. And that kind of is where Beastmaker began. And that was, that was like the inspiration. Right. So I'd like to indulge us a bit. Why did Haunt need to exist? And why not just use Beastmaker or a continuation of Beastmaker with a different sound? At the time, I was having complications with the record label we were with, Rise Above, because I was writing a lot of music. Uh-huh. And like I was really wanting to put it out, and I, I I felt like there was like a boot on my neck, so to speak, because it was like you can't. And anybody that knows me knows that I'm not much for uh, anybody telling me what to do. I'm not. I'm never been good at that. I've always been self-employed. I don't do well with bosses at all. And for me at the time, I couldn't. And I felt my inspiration was drying up for Beastmaker because of that. And I wanted to, like, I wanted to change the sound a little bit. But my, our drummer was like, nah, nah, let's keep it this. And so I just kind of started fiddling with some songs. And Beastmaker's merch guy, Wolfie, who plays drums in Haunt, I had him over and we did our first recordings, which is Luminous Eyes. It's literally a demo. So, I mean, that's that basically is why Haunt began, because I couldn't do it as Beastmaker. Because first off, the record label, I mean, I would it would have taken years to get, we wouldn't even be doing Haunt yet. <laughs> we would still be locked in as Beastmaker. So, and I, ended up getting out of, I, I ended up getting out of my contract with them. And I was able to release all the music that I wrote for Beastmaker, which was roughly 40 songs I had written, and that was in one year. Wow. Wow. So th- those are basically the eight EPs that you put out, right? Yep. yep. So what's that? Ten EPs. Ten EPs, sorry. Yeah, ten EPs. But so- eight, of them, eight of them I did in one month. Wow. And the only reason I was able to do that is I played everything on them. Our drummer went on tour with R.I.P. and I sent him a message and said, hey, I'm going to wrap up all these songs and we're going to be focusing on Haunt here, here on out. So I don't want to waste all this music. I'm not, I'm not good at going backward. I really am not. It was a miracle I got through it. Uh, Haunt's, Haunt's bassist, Taylor Holman, he came over and he helped me get through it all. He was like my sidekick to like go back. He was like, like the song's good because we had to pick some. There were some shitty ones in there. I was like, do I do all of them or <coughs> do we pick some of these out? And so he helped me. All right. So was there a moment when you decided that you know Beastmaker needed to be put on hold and you're gonna focus on Haunt, or was there something else? Um, there was a there was a number of things that that really happened and it's like so crazy i mean so wolfie when we started i was i was overseas in europe touring with beastmaker we were on the stone jesus tour this band from the ukraine and john and i had already been like you know we should 
you know, I wanted him to come into the band and play guitar. And we're, I was like, when I get back, I was like, I was telling him, I was like, I'm going to write a full length record because I keep getting hit up to put out a full length. And this was literally like immediately after Luminous Eyes. Like, you know, I was getting hit up by labels. I was getting all this stuff. And I was like, I should write a full length and see what happens. We hadn't even played a show yet, you know, and playing Beastmaker's music over in Europe, I started to really real, realize that, like, live, I think I was, like, really longing to use all those years of guitar shredding to, like, you know, I was really not playing to my capability, and I felt like I needed to do that, and um, as soon as we started doing Burst into Flame, John was like, we can't do two bands. We can't. And I started realizing it really fast. I was like, Four, ba- four practices a week, I can't do it, and create. I'm more of a creator than a practicer. Like, I don't really practice. I, I create. So, like, the redundancy of playing the same thing over and over is not in my playbook, as basically anybody could see. I, I, I'm a writer, not a guy for redundancy, and I feel like playing the same thing is not fun, and I need to keep it, I need to keep it fun and loose. And four practices a week wasn't going to work. How am I going to do, you know, tour two bands? We barely were making it as, we barely were making it as is. So it was one of those things where it was like, we, one or the other, and John wanted to play guitar because that's what he mainly does. And he kind of was like the one that was like, I don't really want to do Beast Maker anymore. And that was that. I agree. I agreed with him. It wasn't it wasn't even really a debate. It was like, you're right. We can't do two bands. We're too old and we don't have that much time and it's too much work. And we didn't have, you know, I, I can't run two bands. I could run one. Can't do two. So having said all of that, is Beastmaker really dead or is there any chance of reviving it? I we say this. I'll tell you this, once the doom metal scene has imploded itself and it becomes and everybody moves on and then it comes back again in 10 years, we might reemerge and (laughs) 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 I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I put out seven full length records worth of material. Yeah, that's more than some bands do in a lifetime. There's nothing more to be written. Those chapters closed, man. At least I, couldn't, at the moment. I couldn't go back if I tried. <laughs> I have a new band. I have a new band. <laughs> so there's Haunt. Now I just have, I'm working on a new album right now with some, with the guys from Hellfire. It's called, this band's called Hysteria. So there's Ooh. like a whole, new, there's like a whole new chapter emerging. What's Hysteria like? Um, it's like Hellfire. It's like the so the singer of Hellfire, it's his songs. I'm helping produce and engineer it, and that's I can't really tell you. It's gonna it's coming out really soon. Oh, I, I, how I, soon I, is really soon? I think Hellfire, <laughs> so I'm really glad to hear this. Um, you're talking Trevor Church, so it could be a week, or it could be two, or it could be a month. Oh, 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 damn, it could be like the very next star. Yeah, you could turn your head after after we hang up. The album could come could come out. So uh, there's no there's no 
there's no rhyme or reason to anything I do anymore. I have been really going against the grain of the record industry for the last year and a half of my life. I put out I'm in January, the last full-length haunt record will be out. I'm never I'm not gonna do a full-length album anymore. I don't like I don't like the format. I don't I may and it's mainly due to, to streaming and okay. taking a look at the analytics of how music is streamed. Okay. It, it, they, they don't really listen. They don't really listen to the full album. Only the diehards do, man. Only the old school people that pick up the album, purchase it, and listen to it. Those are the only people you're really grabbing. And I and we're moving. We're moving more into a streamed era. And I feel like it's better. These short bursts of inspiration are better than these. Like, I've listened to this song. I already even bur- like. The, the album that's coming out in January, Mind Freeze, I'm already pa- I've already moved on. It's hard for me to be excited because I have like 20 new songs. Okay. And so I just released two of them. I just did two of them. So it's like, I always wanted to do this thing where it's like hot off the press. And this goes back to Beastmaker when I was writing all this music. Andy, the drummer, and I, who he's my longtime collaborator and contributor to my everything that I do. We always have watched what rappers do. And again, I'm from a skateboarding era. I, I still like rap music. And I watch what these guys do. And I don't really like the, the style of rap that's happening these days as much. It's okay. But they're just doing singles. None of them are signed to labels. They're all doing independent stuff and just doing whatever the fuck they want. And that excites me more than anything is being like, fuck all this. I'm going to do me for better or for worse. I've always said, it's like, if I, if I do what I want and I fail, at least I did what I want. You know, I mean, who's to say like, what's going to happen? I think the more record labels are getting frightened by things than, than anything, because like, Guys like me are coming out and being like, well, I don't really necessarily need you guys anymore. Yeah. Because they're, they're basically like a bank loaning you money. Yeah. Everything, sure. comes, everything comes with a price with that. You know, I have a mortgage, so I know really firsthand. I like, look, I'm like, okay, we'll have given the bank $75,000 when we paid this off because we didn't have the money to do it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Now we're at a point where, you know, you could put out your music digitally. You could put it out physically. There's all these formats to do it. And I don't know. I, I just would prefer everybody be up to speed with me. Because there's uh-huh. going to be a time where there's going to be times where I'm not releasing stuff. Everybody goes, you release so much. But I'm like, yeah, there's all this stuff. But like. There's also not like we're at a point now where I'm literally I have like all these songs stockpiled, but they're unfinished. This is the first time in my life where I'm actually caught up with myself. So I could literally put out stuff as I'm writing it now. And it's it, it, it inspires me more. It really does. Like and I feel like whatever people's perception of it is. I don't, I don't really care that much because I need to do me now. I did the record industry stuff, and, it's, and it made me realize, like, I would never make any money doing it. I would, I, they owned my music. They told me what to do. They told me what I can and can't do. 
and what I should do. And again, I don't really dance to the beat of other people. I dance to the beat of myself. So do you see the traditional album as, uh, as an old school record uh, thing where somebody's forcing you to do it? Yeah. Kind Okay. I've done quite a few of them now. I've done, I, I mean, as Haunt, I put out three records with Shadow Kingdom, which has been the best record label that I've ever, you know, he's very in tune to what I want to do. And he's, he's tried to facilitate that. He's like the only guy I've heard of out there that's like, I'm like, you better put this out before I put something else out. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the reality of it. And he's already up against, he's battling with me constantly with these. He's like, God, he's like, you write so much. I'm like, dude, I'm like, this is what I do. I write music. I'm a songwriter. I can't, I'm not going to just stop because an album's come out. I'm going to keep writing. I'm going to keep getting better. Plus, you know, I'm a self-taught fucking recording engineer. I'm learning that off of my stuff. Yep. I've just now started to do other people's bands. So it's kind of crazy. It's a big old, there's this whole wheel that's turning, man. There's a wheel that is constantly turning. <coughs> and for me, it's like, I want people to feel how I feel about the song when I wrote the song, not how I feel about it down the line. Damn. How long do you think it'll take for other musicians, especially in metal, which so which values the traditional album so much? Um, do you see that thought ever changing? Not really. I mean, like you have to have like the setup that I have and the the work ethic that I have to really do what I'm doing. I don't really see it becoming like a as much of a thing, I definitely see the EP thing is going to be happening a lot more. I really do. Bigger bands are doing it now. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot of work to do a full length album when people are not like fully engaged, and that's the thing. It's like you have to keep you have to keep your traditional album in mind. But yet you have to advance with the future because it has changed a lot over the years. You're not getting huge record label. Your record labels are not giving you the kind of money you need to really do the things that bands need to do to survive. Everybody has the day job now. I mean, even big bands, motherfuckers are working as pizza delivery guys and shit. It's like, it's a struggle. So... If you're able to release music fast and make a living off of it, why not? Are you going to tell me that people are going to like not support that idea? You could still do... Like, for me, I've given them three albums. It's probably, you know, as far as most metal bands go, your early work is probably your best work. I don't think that's necessarily going to be true in my case because I keep... I, I have the mindset of getting better and not burning out i'm constantly yeah. trying to improve i'm trying to improve my playing i'm trying to improve my singing i'm improving my production quality there's a number of things that i try to do to stay inspired and have my visions come to life now 
it, I'm, am I saying that there's never going to be a haunt full length again? There's no really saying. I'm trying something yeah. new. I'm trying something new. I feel like people are going to support me into in my art because I, I have a very deep passion for it. Very deep. And hopefully people are feeling that. That I'm trying. Oh, working yeah. hard. You know, like, I don't know. How, <coughs> excuse me. I don't know how many people are investing as much um, time as myself into things. Like, there, there are people that would love to do it. I know I have friends that are like, I'm trying to get what you got going on. You know, like, have their own studio, have their stuff. You have, there's huge steps that have to be put toward and huge self-sacrifices that, like, I was working a full-time job up until a, a year and a half ago. And I had to, I had to take the, I had to like go, okay, it's going to be one or the other now. I was like, so, so two years, so like a year and a half ago, I started working part-time. This year, I, I literally barely work now because Beastmaker helped me see that I can make a living off of just self-releases and doing whatever I wanted. I was like, Honk could do the same thing. And I would, I find it better for me to be, I, I'm happier and more inspired sitting here working on music and having to be a little bit more frugal and be, like, it's scary, like leaving your day job. You know, I made good money for a long time and I was like, all right, I'm giving this up and here we go down a new adventure. And I'm plus I'm old and I'll have a family and all that stuff. There's all those things that had to be considered. So it's kind of crazy. So having said all of this and having and bringing out your uh, the writer in you to this much prominence, do you really enjoy touring? Because over there, you're playing the same songs over and over again, repeat, repeating yourself. So I do and I don't, okay? okay. I, I like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you this, and you could, you could probably see by my interaction that I have with my fans on my social media, and anybody could attest if you if you message me you're getting a response okay yep always as you guys probably see i was like super busy having a kid and doing family stuff and here i am talking to you guys exactly you know, yeah i, I yeah. really i really try to take the time to be involved um that part of touring really brings me a lot of joy playing live i love it um touring is really hard Especially in the day of YouTube where people are more inclined just to look at your video on there and see, you know, like, I just, I see it all over. Um, it's hard to say for Europe because Haunt has not been there. But here in America, it's very difficult. It's a huge country. There's a lot of shitty places to play in between. You can't just, like, you can't just go from California to New York. Yeah. If you're in a European country, that's like crossing nine fucking countries. True. You know, it's yeah. huge. And I actually think it take it's bigger than <laughs> it's it takes like a good amount of time to get out east. And you have to go uh -huh. through a lot of places that don't really like have heavy metal. You know? There's great places in between, but we are gonna try to do my my vision for touring. One full U.S. tour, one full European tour a year. 
Wow. And then just and then just our up and down California West Coast stuff that we could do very easily, just to stay okay. active. Okay. That's it. That's all I really want to do. I want to watch my son grow up. It's way more important to me. I also want to see. I also like now I'm in this like I've built this recording studio and I've spent a fortune getting it up and going. And I've been like having other bands and other people's songs come through here. I'm starting to really have a passion for that now as well. And I want to help other people see their vision come to life. All right. All right. So at this point in time, let's take a quick break on the podcast. Trevor, could you pick a haunt song or a Beastmaker song that you'd like our listeners to check out? And why are you yeah, picking that song? Let's start with like um, Burst in the Flame, um, the song Looking Glass. Um, I feel like, you know, we had this idea when we were trying to put together the songs because I had already been doing this EP thing with Beastmaker and people were listening to the whole EPs at the time. And I feel like when I look at like how much streaming Looking Glass has gotten and here we are doing an internet thing, you know, podcasting is very, very much the internet world. Um, Looking Glass is one of my favorite songs that was on there because it's a song about like self-reflection and things. And that's what I was like really feeling at the time of Burst into Flame was like really taking a look at myself. It was the first time I'd really written lyrics about myself. Um, and um, Looking Glass is like it should have been a little bit further like in hindsight it should have been like song four you know like uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it wasn't and like i feel like it's like one of those missed songs strangely fenris from dark throne had put it up on one of his like um playlists that he does and yeah. i was like fenris i was like fenris knows what's up he's the one that kind of helped launch haunt so i i really was like he knows he knows me and we don't even know each other he knew that that was my song. That's like the most reflective of how I was feeling at the time. All right. So here is Looking Glass, Burst Into Flames.
Is your dad a fan of your music? Is that a topic of conversation around the dinner table? I mean, you, I'm, I'm pretty certain you would have seen some kind of a monster where we see Lars reaching out to his dad as a soundboard of sorts. Is that the similar vibe that you and so, your dad and now? So, so my dad's like way more deep rooted into like country music and old rock and roll. When I start, uh-huh. he's not a big fan of Black Sabbath. So, Beastmaker was not his favorite. But when I started doing Haunt. He became more involved with my songwriting and producing, and he helped me. He helps me produce everything now, for the most oh. part. But but the thing is, is like with his help over you know over the course of haunts, you know like me bringing over Luminous Eyes, he goes, "This is sounding really good." And then to me bringing Burst into Flame over, and he's like, "You need to go back and redo this, cut this out, and do." You know, he started giving me, <laughs> he started giving me like some like I was like, "Oh shit." And then to, to, if Icarus could fly, where he really was like cutting me down, he was like, "You need to go resing this. This needs to go here. You need to get rid of this." Um, he kind of really helped me craft songs. I don't know. And late, like I brought this latest record over. He's like, "I don't know what else to tell you anymore. You you've got all all, all that I could teach you. You're you're there now." Awesome. So, so that's that really. Cool. That's so he really likes Haunt. He really supports Haunt a lot more than Beastmaker. Um, so that's kind of thing. I, we don't really have dinner at a dinner table because I'm I'm old and so you know we I have my own life outside of the family, you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. of course. We have we have lunch, 
we have lunch. So, and we do talk about a lot of things. And um, now it's about my son. So it's like the music thing has been dwarfed. He don't care about that anymore. He's like, I got a grandson now. Get the fuck out of here with this haunt shit. You know what I mean? Like he's he don't care anymore. He's got a he's got a grandson. He's got his legacy lives on now, and he's more interested in that. Would you say you're a workaholic, and do you force yourself sometimes to smell the roses, or is it just kind of moving on to the next thing for you? Um, I'm definitely a workaholic, and I think that's like an American thing. We're really like that. We're a country that like really overworks ourselves like probably because like you're talking to a couple of indians yeah so, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely indians are like you guys ha- you guys probably you know i i see that over you know there there's there's a kidding, very <laughs> there is a real there's a real like common connection there as far as the work ethic goes yes we i mean you obviously can see like Indians over here, like, I have doctors that are Indian, you know, and they fucking work round the clock here. It's just part of the culture here, and I think, um, you know, that's how some people, you know, are. I'm mainly talking about, like, you know, Mexico, they take siestas, there's all these breaks, there's this lackadaisical thing. In Europe, it's, like, in England, they're very, they're very laid back. They can they take the time and, and things move slowly. I'm not that guy. I can't, I cannot move slow. Um, my wife is the one that's like, are you, are you done yet? She'll send me a message. And then that's when I know I need to, I need to shut down. <laughs> okay. If she wasn't here, if she wasn't here, I'd probably sleep out here. <laughs> I'd sleep in the studio. I'd be like nonstop. I just have a pot of coffee going all day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that happens with me too. I yeah, dude. I yeah. mean, you want to get stuff done, and you want to, you are you. I mean, the way I look at it is like, how serious about your, you know, your profession are you? You can't stop. I mean, like, dude, like the most successful people in the world, they worked really hard. You know, yeah. it's it doesn't just fall out of the tree. Uh-huh. Unfortunately so- for me, I've I've had to work like double hard because I live in Fresno, and people don't take fresno seriously they're like oh this band from fresno and i'm like yeah this band from fresno you know like you know most people think i'm from la or san francisco i'm not i'm I'm from fresno so it's like like and it's weird here because there's not really a a mute like there's no metal scene here there's like kind of a death metal scene but um it's starting to grow now that haunts here and I've, I've been seeing our shows are, like, much more filled here now. And, um, you know, um, I think things are starting to get, like, progressively better here. But I think part of Haunts, like, my success and the way that I present myself, um, I owe it to Fresno because nobody thought I was cool. I never, like, nobody, I don't have that kind of ego because I'm like, there's no one here to impress. Everybody thinks I'm lame. They're like, what's he doing? Like, what's this? What's this music he's doing? What's all this shit? Like, Beastmaker was, like, hated here. You know, it's, like, super, like, people were like, what the fuck is this shit? But then I take it to other places and people liked it. You know what I mean? So it was, like, I had to, like, really just, there's there's nobody to impress. 
So it's great coming from Fresno. You know? There ain't nobody that ca- nobody gave a fuck. You know what I mean? It's like we had to go out and make it happen and do our thing, you know? And so I stay by that still. I'm like, I'm just going to keep working my ass off. Okay, prove, so just- yourself, prove yourself worthy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's a left field question. Yeah? Hairdressing and heavy metal. Any similarities between the two worlds? Um, yeah, because, like, I mean, most heavy metal dudes have long hair and you got to take care of it. Um, I will say this, for one, my mom, hadn't she been a hairdresser, I don't know if I would have got into music because it allowed me to be my own boss and I could leave whenever I want, made my own schedule. And um, it really did um, allow me a lot of freedom that you don't get from a normal job. You know? So... It's a very, it's a, it's like more about being free. And I feel like that in heavy metal is like, goes hand in hand is like the freedom of like being a free spirit. And, you know, heavy metal has always been underground as far as I'm concerned, because, you know, it's survived a long time without severe trendiness, radio play and like extreme, like cookie cutterness which we might be seeing in doom metal now i'm not gonna i'm I, i'm in a position now where i could openly speak about how i feel about the doom metal scene because like it's it's really gotten to a point where like i have no interest in it anymore because of the bands just keep putting out the same records they all are starting to sound so similar that i'm like eh. you know so it did get a little trendy like real real trendy yeah. trendy and i hope that like it doesn't happen for the, like this new wave of traditional heavy metal sort of thing. I've always thought of Han as a lot different because I don't really, I've never really incorporated, um, you know, the classic falsetto screams and it's lyrically, I've been way more honest about life and reality. And I feel like that kind of makes haunt its own. So I hope, you know, more bands follow that kind of pattern of where it's like, you don't have to do what everybody's always done, but it's okay to like have maiden worship in it. It's okay to have thin Lizzie worship in it. I'm like way more into like classic rock, you know, punk and other sorts of metal. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm pretty broad spectrum and you could probably hear that in haunt. Like it's not always all about like being brutal metal extreme or none of that. There's a soft side to haunt. There's a somber side to haunt. And that's why, you know, like we've been really like inspired to do what we do right now. Uh, so you've got your first uh, European tour is on coming up later this month and you're playing a Halloween gig. Uh, what kind of response are you expecting? I honestly have no clue, man. I really don't. I hope people, I hope people really love us. Because I love going over to Europe. It's a great country. Um, <laughs> I love all the mainland. You know, it, it's, it, I enjoy meeting people, too. And I love talking to people. So I'm really looking forward to, like, seeing their perspective of things. I know, I know some of the German magazines think I moved too quickly. But, like, I'm not going to really take much of that to heart. Because, again, like I said, it's time. I'm at an age in my life where I need to do what I need to do. I'm 38. Now I'm almost 40 years old. What am I waiting for? Why am I, why, you know what I mean? It's like, I need to do what I need to do. Time is running, time is running closer to, 
you know, me slowing down. You know, I got a kid. I don't want to be out there, like, sleeping in a van thinking about my family. You know, I'm going to write songs, create, and do what I need to do. Looking, But anyway, I'm really looking forward to Europe. I don't I, – I, my – I really, you know, I send a lot of records over there and I got, I've been getting hounded for a year to go over there. So I, I feel like it's the right time for Haunt to go over there. We've let, we've let the albums breathe enough for where like people can make their decision if they like or dislike Haunt. And hopefully, you know, they come out to the shows with the t-shirts on and singing along. I'm, I'm, I really hope it's like, like America has been really good to us. And that's kind of why we've been kind of just staying around here is like, we've wanted to really grow it here and stay focused on home. Now it's time to take it elsewhere. Uh, so if you don't mind, let's end on the same topic. We started off our chat with Rex. Okay. So when do you think is the right time for parents to introduce their kids to rock and heavy metal? Um, he's already been introduced to it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, like, it That's was like, I was I sing, him, I sing him kiss songs. I, I hum kiss songs to him so awesome. to calm him down. And he has all kinds of kiss stuff. Kiss is a great thing for kids because it's like, it's comical. And then yet not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's depth, there's depth to their shit. There's depth to their music. But yet. Another band that's like that is Ghost, but I I don't know if he's quite ready for Ghost yet. I kind of like Kiss a little bit more than Ghost, but I really do like Ghost. So um, I think those two bands are going to be really great to like introduce him. And then, of course, you know, Ozzy. I listen to so much Ozzy Osbourne. It's going to just be embedded. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, sure I, it's in his DNA already. Yeah, yeah it's, it's DNA. He's all it's aboard like, on that. You know, like the music thing, my wife is an excellent singer and she sings to him constantly. I mean, is he going to be heavy metal? I don't know. You know, I just hope that he finds an interest in music, regardless of the genre. It's his life. You know, wow. I think he'll have a, I think he'll have a strong respect for heavy metal, but maybe he's into classical. Yeah. You know, maybe he becomes maybe be, he becomes an opera singer. Maybe he becomes a country guy. I mean, we live in Fresno. This is an agriculture town. This is a country music town. I don't want him to be a rapper. That's it. <laughs> he could listen to rap music, but I don't want him to be a rapper. Uh, on that note, uh, thanks a lot for your time, Trevor. We really Absolutely. enjoyed this chat. Yeah, me too. All right. Horns up. All right. Horns up, man. Yep, horns up, man. Thank you guys for having me, and and I hope to make it to India one day and and rock out there. And I know that the in the India metal scene is strong because I have some friends. I have a band over there called Night. That oh um, yeah, Night. Yeah, I know uh, that. I talk to Shabula all the time, and um, like I really want to get over there one day. It's a dream of mine. I want to see the Ganges. I want to see. The Himalayas, I want to see all kinds of shit. And um, my neighbors growing up, strangely, uh, um, they're Indian. And I grew up eating Indian food every day. I was over at their house all, all the time. My mom and my mom and their, her name was Rika Desai, Manu Desai. Um, <clears throat> and they, they had two girls, Ronak and Anar. And they were my friends growing up. And um, I have like a I. Indian food is like my favorite, and it's great for a vegetarian, you know. Great yeah, vegetarian food. 
So I, I, I definitely see myself if I don't get the if music doesn't bring me there, I'll just go there one day just because I need to indulge. Yeah, definitely. Just let's like have a small holiday. Come, come right in. Let us know when you're coming in. We'd love to host you. Absolutely. All right. Well, you guys take and care. And your wife and your whole family. Don't worry. Yeah. I know. All right. So, anyways, you guys take care and thank you for for your support with Haunt. Much appreciated. Cheers, thank you, man. Right. Cheers, you guys. Have a great day. Bye bye. You too. Bye. What a fucking energetic guy, man. Yeah, I mean, and that's the approach he brought to our podcast. Can you imagine what he brings to the recording studio and even more live? Dude, I'm just like, I'm. My mind is trying to fat home what kind of a dad he'll be. <laughs> He's gonna be the cool one of the coolest dads, and I thought I was a cool dad. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, like uh, benchmarks are being reset. Of course, of course. <laughs> But again, he had, you know, his dad who was a great dad yeah, to him. Exactly. Exactly. So of course maybe it runs in the family. Yeah, I mean just think about it, man. Definitely runs in his genes. Can you imagine growing up and seeing your dad as a rock star playing with all these artists and stuff like that? Yeah. And I think that's all that we have time for today. At least I don't have anything else I really want to yammer about. Do you have anything else you want to yammer about? No man, I think I think Trevor kind of stole the show. Yammered us out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stole the show today. <laughs> All right. Till next time. Uh, I'm Trent Crusher. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. He's Trent Crusher. I'm at Asmoani. You can talk to us on Honza Pod if you really want to. Uh, we don't bite yet. <laughs> Till next time. Horns up. Horns up. Right.